Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning, church. How you doing this morning? Um, Pastor Craig just put the pressure on, put me up with put me up with the five generations that went before me. <laughs> well, hey, I am honored to be here, excited to be here. We've had an amazing time at camp. Have we not, Horizon Youth and Numa Youth, you guys? What a week we've had. Um, I also just want to say, I fueled, this, this message is sponsored and fueled by Canadian Fuzzy Peaches this morning. And so if this is the best message I've ever preached, that is why. I mean, this morning I was like in my room just like slamming fuzzy peaches and then like praying and then like slamming fuzzy peaches and then praying. And it's, it's going to be great. It might go off the rails because of that also. I, I am. So that means I'm, I'm 50% Canadian also. So I told the youth earlier this week, I was like, I believe that that makes me 50% superior. But I'll let you decide which side that is. <laughs> Um, but hey, it, it really is an honor to be here with you guys this morning. It's, it's kind of a full circle, crazy thing for me to be preaching at a church in Canada, knowing that so much of my family comes from here. So I'm excited. I'm honored. Um, I've, I've had such a great time. You guys, you have amazing pastors. Like, if you don't know that, you have amazing pastors. Pastor Craig and Shanda and Pastor Daniel, wherever he's at, and your directors and your team, you guys have, you have an incredible team here. So just, just like my suggestion is don't take that for granted because they are, they are wonderful, God-loving, powerful people. Um, so yeah, one other thing about me just for fun, um, I'm getting married in three weeks, which is crazy. I showed the youth my fiance this week. He, he loves Jesus too, which is good. Otherwise I'd probably have some issues. Um, but that, that's, that's me. I'm getting married in three weeks. I'm a youth pastor in Denver, as Pastor Craig said. Um, I'm half Canadian, which means, makes my, my life half superior. I'll just not tell you which one. This morning, we're going to talk about a man in the Bible who is, he, the, the, his story in the Bible has changed my life over the last few years. Um, and it's a story that all of us have heard many times. I, I, I've said that to the youth a few times. I think over the last few years of my journey, the Holy Spirit, I'm a church kid, right? I'm a pastor's kid. The Holy Spirit's been taking me on this journey of, of looking at verses and looking at stories that I've heard many, many times and opening them up to me in a way that they've never had impact on my life before. And so this morning, we're gonna look at a man named Gideon. Has anybody heard of Gideon in the room? I love it. We're going to zoom into Gideon's life today. I, there, there's a few different famous parts of Gideon's story. If you don't know, just for the sake of clarity, I'll, I'll give you a bit of a summary. But Gideon was a man that God chose to save his people. The Israelites had been enslaved. They had been surrounded by the, the big bad guys of the story, the Midianites, um, to the point where for, for years— at the point where we're going to zoom in, for years at this point, their crops have been stolen, set on fire. They've been living and hiding in caves. Their, their lack, their, their weaknesses are great at this point in the story. And God finds this man named Gideon, and he says, Gideon, I have called you, even with all of your lack, I have called you to free my people. 
And, and there's this, this part of the story, right, where there's like a wet fleece and a dry ground and like there's all these miracles because Gideon's like, I don't know about that God, I don't know about that God. And God's like, no, I have called you. And then the story goes on and he gets this army together of 32,000 soldiers. And he's up against, I think I already said this, like the biggest, baddest army on planet Earth, okay? The Bible actually says that the army that Gideon is up against is so strong and so, num- so numerous that you literally could not count them as if you could not count the sand on the shore. So we have Gideon, just, just this short little guy. He's like the youngest of his brothers. He's the shortest. He's been hiding in caves. He's been running from the Midianites. We have Gideon, who's now been elevated and called by God up against the Midianites, who also, by the way, calls all their cousins. And so now it's the Midianites, all their cousins, all their friends, and it's the biggest army on planet Earth. And what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna zoom in to the night before Gideon goes to battle. Because there's something significant that God does in Gideon's heart and through Gideon's life that that happens the night before battle, amen? So what we're gonna do, if you have your Bibles this morning, I'm gonna ask you to open up to the book of Judges chapter seven. We're gonna zoom in and we're gonna see what God does. So the book of Judges chapter seven, verse eight, says now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. So we have, we have Gideon, he's up on this mountain, he's looking out over the biggest, scariest, most numerous army on planet earth. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley and during the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah, and listen to what they're saying. Because afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So Gideon and his servant, Purah, went down to the outposts of the enemy camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts, and their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. We have Gideon and his servant sneaking down this hill into the enemy camp, and they see that the army is so big it can't be counted. Verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. One enemy says to another enemy, I had a dream. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent of the enemy, it struck our tent, this is an enemy talking, with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. We, we have a Joash here. I have never preached this sermon with a Joash in the room. That's crazy. That's all, that's all, that's awesome. When Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed down and he worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Verse 16, so dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars into the hands of all of them. Verse 17, watch me, he said, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And if you skip to the end of the story, you know that God uses Gideon to free the Israelites, to, to free his people 
from the Midianites. So we have this guy, he's on top of a mountain, he's looking out over the size of the enemy, he's afraid, and God says, go down to the enemy's camp. He gets down to the enemy's camp and he hears two enemies having a conversation. And the conversation goes, I had a dream about a loaf of bread. I'm a gluten-free girl, which means I eat bad bread on the daily. <laughs> Disgusting. Do we have any gluten-free friends in the room? You feel me. If you have any tips, please come talk to me after service. <laughs> this is new to me. But have you ever stopped and just, as you're reading this story, been like, why does the Bible specify that it's a loaf of barley bread that rolls down this hill. It says a loaf of barley bread comes tumbling down the hill and hits a military tent with such force that the tent overturns and collapses. I was reading the story and I'm like, God, why on earth did you specify barley bread? So I get on the Google and I'm like, what on earth is barley bread? I found out barley bread is basically what I have to eat. It's the not good kind of bread. It's missing a small thing in bread called flour. <laughs> if, if I were, were going to defeat the enemy with like a loaf of bread of choice, I think I would choose like garlic naan from an Indian restaurant. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to smack you with this naan and you're going to smell the garlic while I'm doing it. Like, like, like insult to the injury, right? Like, or or um, do you guys have Subway? You guys know like the, the like Italian herbs and cheese bread? Like if I were gonna choose a loaf of bread to smack the enemy with, it would not be barley bread. <laughs> it would be Italian herbs and cheese from Subway. Fresh, hot, baked, soft, which I can't eat anymore. If I ate that now, it would, it would be a rough few days. The Bible specifies it's barley bread. It's Pastor Kaylee's nasty gluten-free bread that's basically just like, just gross, that tumbles down a hill and strikes the military tent in this dream. I don't know if you know this, but barley bread in Bible times was actually the bread of the common people who had a lot of lack. Barley bread. The enemy has a dream about a kind of bread that represents people who don't have large finances, who don't have it all together, who at this point are living in caves and living in fear and living in frustration. The very kind of bread that, that God gives a dream about to the enemy to give them an indication that you're about to be defeat, defeated, the very kind of bread that God chose for that dream was the bread of the common people. And today what we're gonna talk about is the power of common bread. The power of your lack. Because it's really easy sometimes to get caught up in your mind about the things that you don't have, to be caught up in the things that you're facing, to be caught up in the things that you wish you had as you compare yourself to your next door neighbor or your friend on Instagram or, or the people that you work with. It's so easy to be facing those things, facing your lack, and forget what God can do with it. 
So this morning, we're going to talk about the power of common bread. That's the title of my message. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. Um, God, this morning, we ask, Father, that you would speak. God, that if there are any people in this room who are faced with lack this morning, if there are any families in this room with financial issues, if there are any families in this room who are having some other kinds of problems, God, we, we, we know that there are always people, and myself included, we all have things that we're lacking, things that the enemy tries to blow up in our minds to make more significant than the significance of your power. And so, Father, this morning we ask, God, that your power would be clear. God, that you would show us what you can do with our lack when we place it in your hands. This morning, we ask that you would speak, that your presence would be with us, that it would fill this room. We pray that you would go past my words, that it would not be my words, that it would be your words this morning, and that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Church, what do you say? Amen. So today, I'm going to be giving you three things. Is that me? Wow, I've never interrupted myself while preaching. Not me? Thank you. <laughs> Today I'm going to be giving you three things that God does with common bread. Three things that we have to remember about being common bread. And I believe that as we talk about this subject this morning, that God is going to do something very significant in some hearts. But I want to go to, to do that. We're going to go back through the story a little bit. We're going to zoom in to a couple more places, and we're going to see what God has to say. Amen. So again, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go back to verse 8. It says, now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley, verse 9. And during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. Do we have any war movie fans in the room? Anybody like war movies? I love that. I think that, like, when you study war, you know that, that you're always battling for the high ground. You're always battling for the high ground. The high ground is seen as this advantage in war or an advantage in, in combat, right? And what's funny about this part of the story is when you look into it, you realize that Gideon has the high ground. But instead of it being seen as an advantage in his mind, he's looking down at the enemy and he's seeing the size of the enemy. And I think that sometimes when we're faced with the things that we don't have, when we're faced with the things that we're lacking, and it could be external, it could be the things that we don't have financially, the career, the job, maybe your kids are a mess. I don't know what it could be externally. It could also be an internal lack. You don't feel like you're enough. You don't feel like the way that God made your personality is enough. You don't feel like the way that God, uh, um, like the, the talents that he gave you are enough. It could be external, it could be internal. But I think it's interesting that because of the lack that Gideon is facing, his high point advantage has become the very thing that is giving him a view of the enemy and causing him to be afraid. It says that God says to Gideon, get up and go down to the enemy camp. It doesn't say, Gideon, wake up out of the most beautiful night's sleep that you have ever had. I, I, there was this, this performance, I'm a violinist, and there was this time that I was asked to do a solo performance with an orchestra. And I remember the night before this performance, I was laying in bed and I was not sleeping, I was sweating. 
Anybody ever been so paralyzed by fear that you just lay in bed unable to sleep? Wave at me if you've ever felt that way. I remember the night before this performance, I'm like laying in bed, I can't sleep, and in my mind I'm doing, I start doing like time math. I'm like, if I go to sleep right now, then I'm gonna wake up a lot like quicker, right? So I'm gonna stay awake because I'm so scared that I don't wanna wake up the next day, so I'm gonna see how long I can stay awake. And I remember being paralyzed by fear because fear is paralyzing. We're not meant to walk in fear. And God looks at Gideon and he doesn't have to say, Gideon, wake yourself up out of your beautiful night's sleep. He says, Gideon, you are frozen by your fear. You are laying in bed, unable to sleep, listening to the sound of your soldiers that you think are going to die. You're looking at the size of the enemy. Get up. And then he takes it a step further. He, he first, he says, Gideon, get up. And what does he do next? He says, go and face the thing that you're fearful of. Do you know that, you, that, that God, he wants to encourage you, but he can't encourage you in things that you're not willing to face. There have been times in my life where I have been overcome by fear in certain things. I remember when I, I'm 24 years old, which probably means many of you in the room know more about the Bible than I do, but I'm up here anyways. I've got a word from God. But I remember like feeling a call to ministry, but not being called, not feeling called to go to Bible college. And just feeling this tension inside of myself that caused a lot of fear. Fear was paralyzing me as I made that decision. And there was a moment where God had to get a hold of me and say, Kaylee, I would love to work in your heart in this area. But if you're not willing to face this area, I'm not going to be able to do a whole lot. God wants to be able to encourage you in, in the things that you're facing today. In fact, my first point this morning is feeling discouraged does not mean that God is far away. It was in Gideon's greatest moment of feeling discouraged. It was in Gideon's greatest moment of questioning what God was doing. He was up against the biggest, scariest, most numerous army that had been in existence with 300 guys. That would be like, hey, I'm going to take every like middle schooler in this room. Where are you at? And we're gonna like go to war against the armies of Canada, like just us. That, they were more confident in that than I was thinking they were gonna be. There's a lot, of, ooh, there's a lot of Canada jokes there. I'm gonna move on. <laughs> when you are most discouraged, you are the closest to the heart of God. When you are most questioning what God is doing in your job, you are the closest to the heart of God. When you are most questioning whether or not you're going to pay your mortgage the next day or the next week, you are closest to the heart of God. Feeling discouraged is not an indication that the Lord has stopped working in your life. It's an indication that God is about to work in your life. What you are lacking does not mean that God is far away. 
but you're not going to be able to be encouraged in the things you're not willing to face. And I think the cool thing, we're going to continue in the story here, is, is God is about to do something pretty cool. In verse 13, right, so, so God says, Gideon, go down to the camp that you're so scared of. Face your fears. I want you to just trust me. I'm near to you. Face your fears. Go down to the enemy camp. And then we hit verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I have a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of common Kaylee's gluten-free barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp, and it struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. The other thing that I find interesting about this story is God could have chosen, God could have chosen to give Gideon this dream. God didn't have to choose to use the enemy to give the enemy the dream to show Gideon that he was working. But my second point this morning, and what God couldn't have taught us if he had not chosen to use the enemy in this way, is that when you're willing to face the things that you're afraid of, you realize that God is already working ahead of you in your future for your victory. But if you're not willing to face what you're fearing, you're never going to learn that lesson. I, um, when I was younger, I was pretty messy. Do we have any moms in the room? Where are the moms at? We feel for you. We feel for you. I have an incredible mom. Um, and she, my entire life, was trying to teach me how to be cleaner, how to not be so messy, and I will say, I have grown by the grace of Jesus. I'm about to move out of my parents' house, so it's about time. Getting married, <laughs> gotta be clean. My mom's not there to pick up after me. But I remember there was this one time, it was my senior year of high school, and I had had, I, I was in a pretty rigorous school program as well as I was traveling a lot on the violin. And, and, and there was the last few months of my high school career I had like five trips in a row for different activities I was a part of, and then I had finals and that was the end of the year. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the best at unpacking my suitcase the second that I get home. Do we have anyone like me in the room? <laughs> and if I have five trips, in a row. You know what that means? It means that I have five trips of compounding clothes that were turning into a, a basically a tornado that had hit my bedroom. And my mom, she would come into my room between each trip and she would like, no. <laughs> like, I, I'm going to leave that there. But then there was a point where there was like, I, I, I guess I kind of, I injure myself in product, productivity in that I can't focus if things aren't clean. And yet I don't think that I naturally keep things clean. Again, anybody like me in the room? You're like, okay, well, now I'm going to use cleaning to procrastinate my finals studying. So this tornado that I have created in my bedroom, I now have to clean if I'm going to study for these tests. So I'm like, I'm on an airplane. I'm 18 years old, and I'm flying back to my house to clean this room so that I can study for my finals. And I have a feeling the mom's in the room can guess where this is going. 
I get to my house. I'm like, I have my giant suitcase, my fifth time packed suitcase that at this point is half clean clothes, half dirty clothes, and it doesn't make any sense. And I'm walking up the stairs and I like, I see the door handle of my bedroom and I'm like, okay, here we go. I can do this. I'm like doing time math. If I, if I clean for four hours, then I can study for three, then I can get three hours of sleep. If I, you know, like I, I'm like, I'm doing this math in my head. I get to my door handle. I turn the knob. I open the door. And it was as if Mary Poppins herself flew down on her umbrella and snapped her fingers and everything in my room had been put away. Moms, you're amazing. <laughs> my mom had snuck into my room while I was gone, and she said, yes, this, this daughter of mine needs to learn how to clean. I'm gonna give her some grace, and I'm gonna clean her room for her. <laughs> and also, students, please, please don't, please don't do this to your mothers. <laughs> this, is, this is not me encouraging you to let your room get so messy that your mom just basically has a brain aneurysm and has to clean it for you. That is not the point of this story, okay? But I was, as I'm like standing in my clean bedroom, I'm literally, like tears are streaming down my face. I run down the stairs, I find my mom and I'm like, mom, thank you. Like I'm you know, ugly crying. And then I had this, this funny thought where I was like, man, if I had knew that my mom was gonna clean my bedroom for me before I got back, I would have stressed a lot less. <laughs> That's the way that God works in your life, though. God is working ahead of you. Even when you don't understand how he's working, when you finally face that thing, when you get to the end of the line, when you face your fear, you face your lack, and you get honest with God, every single time what you will learn, what you will realize, and what God will teach you, is that he is always working ahead of you in your future for your victory, whether you see it in the moment or not. My mom was working ahead of me. I would have stressed a lot less if I knew that was gonna happen. When we live our lives remembering that God is ahead of us and he's working and he sees your lack and he sees the things that you don't have and he sees the job thing and he sees the promotion that you wanted that you didn't get and he sees the classes that are hard and he sees the things. If you remember that God is working in those things, you would stress a lot less. Let, let's, let's see what Gideon does here. In, this, in verse 14 it says this, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, this dream of a loaf of barley gluten-free bread tumbling down a hill, a representation of his lack, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshiped. When you remember when you remember that God is working ahead of you, when you remember that your lack does not scare God the way that it scares you, when you remember that, that God is working ahead of you so you don't have to stress, then what happens 
is instead of being like Gideon who was paralyzed the night before his battle, who was paralyzed by fear, if you remember that God is working ahead of you, you know what happens is you can be bowed down in worship instead of paralyzed by fear. Worship is a sign of humility. Worship is a sign of, of a posture inside of your heart. Worship is something that says, I know my place in this world, and I know God's place in this world, and I know that I, I need him. I know that he is everything. And when you remember what God is doing, then you can be bowed down in worship instead of shaking in your boots, paralyzed by fear. But God had to take Gideon on a step-by-step -step process of saying, face your fear, and then learn that I'm with you. Face your fear and know that I am with you. And then what happens in the story? What happens is that the, the very lack that Gideon had, he didn't have resources, he didn't have finances, he didn't have manpower, he didn't even have talent or gifting. The Bible says that he was just a guy. What happens is when Gideon places his lack in the right hands, it's actually his lack that becomes the weapon that God uses. It says that, that Gideon placed empty jars because he didn't, he didn't have anything to fill those jars with. They had instruments, they had jars, they had torches, they didn't have anything else. Where's the armor? Where's the swords? Where's the 32,000 men? No, 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 God says, I don't need any of that. I don't, I literally don't need it. And, and, but we have to remember, who was it that had this dream? It was actually the enemy that had this dream. Do you know what that teaches us? It teaches us that the enemy isn't afraid of luxurious, has it all together, financially just independent and free and running and just bawling in the bucks. The enemy isn't, he isn't afraid of luxurious has it all together bread. What the enemy is afraid of is common bread placed in God's hands. The enemy isn't afraid of people who think that they have it all together. The enemy isn't afraid of people who say, I don't need to worship, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to find myself on my knees at the altar, I don't need to make sure that my family is, you know, going to youth group and at church and, and, and praying together. The enemy isn't afraid of people who have it all together. The enemy is afraid of people who realize their position is supposed to be on their knees. The enemy is afraid of people who say, this is what I'm lacking. I'm going to get honest with God here for a second. I'm going to show him what I'm lacking. I'm going to be honest with the fact that I'm afraid, but I'm going to put myself in God's hands. I'm going to face my fears and I'm going to see what God does. And if I could have um, the, the keys come up, that would be awesome. When you place your life in the hands of God. It is your lack 
that is your weapon. So if I could just have everybody just stand to your feet really quickly. I'm going to wrap this up this morning. I think that maybe there's some people in the room who have, have, have had some lack that has been really in their faces over the last season. Again, that lack could be external. It could be your context, your finances, your job, your family. It could be friendships. It could be an external thing. Or maybe you're looking inside and you're saying, I am not enough inside. Well, this, this feels kind of like a backwards message of saying, I, I'm not up here saying, no, you are enough. I'm not, I'm not up here giving you a pat on the back and saying, no, you have everything and you are everything that you need. No, because the realization that we need when we become mature in our relationship with Jesus is that you are enough, You're, you are not enough, you don't have enough, you don't have the plan. But if you will see that, accept that, and put that in the right hands, then God will use your lack as the very thing that becomes the message, becomes the testimony, becomes the thing that has impact on those around you. God wants to use your lack. He didn't just look at Gideon and say, yes, take your 32,000 people. You know, at the end of the day, 32,000 people is nothing compared to the, the, to the enemy that he was up against. It, it, it's nothing. So God didn't look at Gideon and say, you are enough, you have enough, your plan is enough. He, all he said was just place yourself in my hands. So this morning, I feel like there's some people in the room who need to be encouraged in the presence of God. Need to be reminded that the things that you are lacking, whether it's financial, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your family, you're nervous, you're, you're, maybe your reason for being paralyzed and fear at night is you're like, you're worried about your kids, you're worried about their salvation, you're worried about their purpose. I don't know what the thing is that you are feeling you are lacking this morning, but I do know that if you put those things in the hands of God, that is gonna be your story. So all around the room, I want this, 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 we're just gonna end right here. If that's you this morning and you've had some lack, you've had some feelings of I don't have enough and I am not enough. If that's you this morning and you're ready to place those things back in the hands of God so that your lack can become your weapon, you're saying, I wanna face my fears. I wanna learn my lesson that the Lord is working ahead of me in my future for my victory. If that's you this morning and you wanna put your lack in the right place, can you just lift your hands to me right now? Lift your hands to Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's hands all over the room this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna pray as we wrap up here. God, God, we are reaching out to you this morning. 
God, we, we are leaving the mindset of I am not enough behind, be, not because we're learning we are enough, but because we're learning that you're enough this morning. And so God, with our hands outstretched to you, God, we are asking for you to encourage our spirits. We're asking you for, for you to teach us a lesson. We're asking for you to reveal that you are working ahead of us. You are in our future. You are in the battle. You are in the enemy's camp. The enemy is shaking in his boots this morning. God, we are placing our lack in your hands. God, teach us the lesson that you were working ahead of us. God, give us the courage to face our fears this morning. Give us the courage to, to face the fear in our finances, the fear in our families, the fear in our friendships, the fear in our relationships, the fear in our careers. God, this morning we ask that you would give us the courage to look the enemy in the face so that we can learn the lesson that when we look at the enemy, we realize the enemy does not have any power. So God, this morning with our hands outstretched, God, we ask, Father, we, we, we ask for you to move in the areas of our lack. We ask that you would turn our lack into our weapon, that you would turn our lack into our testimony as we place it in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.